What time is it? Do we really know? Welcome to the 222 Paranormal Podcast with your host, Joe. Yep. Flying solo tonight. Jen does not have a voice. The reason she doesn't have a voice is I believe she was screaming at the TV because she was watching the Lions game. And if you have seen this, the Lions versus the Cowboys in the last few minutes of the game, Detroit was robbed. Yes, I'm saying it. I don't know if there's any Cowboy fans out there that don't agree with me, but I'm saying it. They were robbed. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, during the football game, the last play of the game, they got a touchdown and the ref said that it was an ineligible player and they took the touchdown back or the uh, uh, two points because they actually got a touchdown and then they went for two points. But he says that it was an ineligible player, but yet the guy did say that he was going to catch the ball and all this, but it was a big mess. And Jen was screaming at the TV and I think that's how she lost her voice. So flying solo today in the studio, which is fun. You know, it's a little different. Change it up a little bit. Today, I want to talk about time travel. I get to talk about whatever I want, and I want to talk about time travel. And some time travelers, maybe some time slips, maybe we'll talk about. But before we do that, I want to let you know that on Saturday, January 20th, me and Jen are going to be at the Bell Mansion in Fort Wayne, Indiana, for the 28 Days Haunted Cast Takes Over the Bell event. This is going to be a fun event. If you haven't seen 28 Days Haunted, it's a great show. The whole cast is going to be there. It's a two-day event, but me and Jen are only going to be there on Saturday, uh, Friday night. We're going to be in town. I don't know if we're going to be over there for the dinner, but they're having a a dinner and everything. And if you want to get tickets to that, go up on Facebook, look up the 28 Days Haunted cast takeover at the Bell event page. All the info is there. It's going to be a lot of fun. There's a lot of good vendors there. Some of our good friends are going to be there. Plus the cast of 28 Days Haunted. They're always fun to hang out with. But um, if you get a chance, come on out. It is in Fort Wayne, Indiana. The address is 420 West Wayne Street, Fort Wayne, Indiana. And like I said, we're going to be there Saturday, January 20th this month, coming up in a couple of weeks. Come out and join us if you want to get on the show. We're going to have our recording equipment on site. We're going to be recording interviews. So uh, come out and say hi. Now, the Bell Mansion. Let me talk about the Bell Mansion for a few minutes. I know most of you have heard our stories of what happened to us when we were there. We were doing an interview at the Bell Mansion. And I really didn't know what the Bell Mansion was. I've seen it, you know, on Facebook and all that stuff. And then um, I talked to Angie, the girl that owns it at different events and that. But I got a hold of Angie and said, hey, can we come out and do an interview? And she's like, heck yeah, come on out. So we went out there and I was just expense, expecting a big mansion. That's what I thought it was. I looked at the pictures online. It's a beautiful place. And we walk in and we talk to Angie and she's like, hey, let me give you a tour. And we're like, all right. And we're walking through the second floor and that's where we did our interview at. But, um, we're walking through, and she's like, and here's the embalming room. And we're like, whoa, wait, 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 what? 
I thought it was just a mansion. And it turns out that it was actually a funeral parlor for years. And close to 900 bodies came through there in the amount of time that it was open as a funeral parlor. Some of the cool things is if you're up there and when you come to the event, go to the second floor and you'll see where the embalming room is. But across from it is the room that we did the interview in, which is the old embalming room. Okay. And if you look at the doorway, you'll notice that there's scrape marks on the door jam. Those are from the carts that they wheeled the bodies into that room. And, you know, they hit the walls and stuff with the carts. And if you look close, you'll see that there's a little bit of stains on it from the body fluids that actually got on the wall and they never clean them off. It, I mean, call it cool. I don't know. If you're into that, maybe it's cool. I don't know. But that was a great place. We, we were there doing the interview. And kind of ironic thing is we were on the second floor. Our friend Mike Rucksucker was on the first floor and he was actually doing a book signing for his new book that's out. And ironically, it's what we're talking about today. His book is called Travels Through Time, Inside the Fourth Dimension, Time Travel and Stacked Time Theory. Now, I didn't get a chance to read it yet. It's next on the list. I'm finishing up a book that I'm reading now. And I do read slow. You know, I do read slow. I try to read at work and stuff. But this looks like an amazing book. He is, he's gone so much in depth on time travel, time slips, different theories, different people, you know, just great book. And uh, that's on next on the list. I'm going to read it here in a, starting in probably about a week. But he was on the first floor of the Bell Mansion. We were on the second floor and nobody was on the third. Now, we were doing the interview, and we got done with the interview, and we're sitting there just talking, and we heard footsteps upstairs. And I'm talking like footsteps from kids running across the floor, and we're like, no one's upstairs, are they? And they're like, no. We're like, let's go. So we ran upstairs, and we, now this is at, what, 1 o'clock in the afternoon. We were getting some amazing evidence. Now, we weren't doing a proper investigation because we was just on the fly. We just grabbed a REM pod they had sitting there. We threw, took that upstairs. And But when we were upstairs, we saw shadow figures. I saw a reflection of a lady walking down the hallway in one of the mirrors. Now, it was quick. It was one of the things where I looked at and I saw it. And I was like, wait a minute, did I just see that? But I swear I saw it. And the girl that we were interviewing, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't remember her name right now, but the girl we were interviewing, she grabbed the REM pod and put it down by these this in the room there next to these toys. And I guess there's a little boy that plays up there. And she's like calling his name out saying, hey, can you come play with us? And she's like, here's the, the toy we played with before. And she says, you know, it was the REM pod. And she's like, we call this a REM pod. You've seen it before. Can you light it up? And just as she said that, it lit up. And she's like, okay, now get back away from it. And it went off. And she actually, you know, we didn't have much other equipment, but she actually did a, or had a conversation with this ghost through the REM pod. She would say, okay, can you light up these two lights just by getting close to it and then touching it? And, you know, it, it was wild. So short story long, if you guys are in the area, if you're anywhere within two-hour drive of Fort Wayne, Indiana, come out and see us. It's Saturday, January 20th. We're going to be there all day. But like I said, if you want, get on their website, go up to 
Facebook and uh, 28 Days Haunted at the Bell Mansion or go to the Bell Mansion website. I believe they have tickets through there also. Get your tickets because I believe that they're selling quick. And uh, this is going to be a fun event. There's going to be a lot of good vendors there and stuff. But let's talk about time travel and different people that claim to be time travelers. Okay. It's one of the things that I love. You know, I love time slips. I love time travel movies. And if you have any movies that you know of that are time travel style, you know, that may not, ones that I may not have seen, let me know on Facebook. Throw up some titles. Um, obviously, the, the you know, that time traveler one where he sits in there and the thing spins behind him, which it's kind of like what real time travel would use is this the spinning magnets and everything. But, you know, it's the one where he goes and it's like people that are, um, I don't know, they, 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 it's so far in the future that they live in baskets and stuff. You know what I mean? I think it is called the time traveler, but, um, let me know if you know of any other movies. I'd love to check them out. I mean, I know of like Stargate and stuff and I watched the second Stargate movie. It's actually supposed to be like before the movie that came out. It's like a prequel or whatever. And I didn't like it. It was terrible. But anyhow, the first one I want to talk about is a name, a uh, James Oliver. So James Oliver claims to be from the year 6491. He was doing his time traveling and his time machine broke down and he got stuck in the year 2018. What's interesting about this is they say that he took a lie detector, lie detector test and actually passed it. Now, I I never took a lie detector test, but I mean, can they... Can you pass them and still be lying? I don't know. Okay, so how does lie detector work? The polygraph test measures the physical arousal factors, including heart rate, blood pressure, respiration with his breathing, perspiration, and the skin conductivity. So in other words, when you sweat, you're, you can conduct electricity better. So it takes all those into factor and it determines if you're lying or telling the truth by those. So can it be tricked? I don't know. I mean, I, I've talked to people that say, yeah, can you can pass it and still be lying. But who knows? You know, really, who knows? But, you know, different paranormal experts and that say that when John Oliver told his story and even passed the lie detector test, test it showed that he was telling the truth. I don't know. Okay, according to the time traveler, John Oliver, he lived centuries in the future, but he was sent back in time because of a snafu, he called it, <laughs> like a tech snafu. In other words, a mistake. He did do an interview on video. Now, the video features odd exhibits and different dubbing, so it's not that great of a video, okay? I guess that they interviewer and the time traveler their voices were changed to quote protect them at the beginning of the interview the interviewer actually asked him to confirm that he actually traveled back in time he replied in a strange british accent yes i am actual time traveler i can't do a british accent so he should have to go with that and then you know obviously the interviewer asked him well where is your time machine and James Oliver said, well, I can't tell you that. So Oliver claims that his years are different to earthly years in part because 
his home planet is much farther away from its star than Earth is from our sun. So according to him, the earthly equivalent to his time is in the year 6491. So in the video, and in the video, his face is blurred so that you can't see what he actually looks like. And he says that where he's from, the years are longer. So wouldn't that put him farther into the future than 6491? And being that his planet is farther from his sun, it takes longer to go around its sun. But he says we have very gifted mathematicians working day and night to calculate the relationship between our years and the years of various different planets and civilizations that we research. After those calculations are complete, he says that he's from the year 6491. While Oliver claims that he was from outer space, he still had a strong British accent with a tangent of an American accent mixed in. He also claims that there are constant fights coming between humans and aliens in the future lifetimes to come. Oliver also says that there are more planets and species that have been discovered by them, his own planet. So in other words, he's it doesn't sound like he's actual time traveler. It sounds like he's an alien traveling to our planet and just happened to get stuck in 2018. He claims that there are a lot of planets more intelligent than humans. He also claims that there have been some conflicts, but most of them have been put under control by the Federation very quickly. So apparently there's a Federation of planets. Hmm, sounds like a, a TV show. Okay. Oliver says that the Federation is a United Nations-style system of planetary leaders who ensure peace between various worlds. He also says that global warming would only get worse over time, and the Earth is going to experience a surge in temperatures. According to him, it is combined result of man-made emissions and the fact that the planet is on a global warming period. When asked what to do, he states that the United States should get back on the Paris Treaty and reduce carbon emissions. So basically, is this story put on by people to try to get people to look at global warming? Because, you know, a lot of these stories, they always say, well, the world's going to have this, the world's going to have that, you know, like John Teeter. John Teeter was one of the other people that claimed to be time travelers. And he made tons of predictions saying that there's going to be World War III, uh, there's going to be civil war. He also stated that the Olympics wouldn't be in the future, that they would just disband or whatever, the Olympics and stuff. And he made tons of other predictions that obviously never came true because we didn't see it. But a lot of people that believe John Teeter, they actually say that everything did happen, but we're on a different timeline now that he came and changed everything. So who knows, you know, and, and that's like, you know, he mentioned about CERN. His big thing was CERN discovered time travel. And the way that they did it was using two magnetic fields and a lot of electricity. And his time machine was made by General Electric. And he used a 1964, I believe, Corvette. And he said that when he goes time traveling, he has to be careful where he's at. And he has to make sure that the right world line stays true because 
the machine doesn't move. The machine stands still and everything around it changes, just like the movie, okay? Now, he said they used the body of a Corvette. Now, did he go back in time to get the Corvette? How does that work, you know? So I don't know about the John Teeter story. He predicted a lot of stuff, like there was going to be a civil war, there was going to be World War III and all that. He gives dates like 2015. He talked about the year 2000 when Y2K happened. He said that it was going to destroy the world and all that, and obviously it didn't. So I don't know. Another time traveler that claims to be from the future is Noah. He's the one that makes the videos and tells of events of the future, then shows a video of the future, he says, and it looks so cartoonish. It does. I mean, we can make gaming videos now that look better. And he says he's from the, the future. And he claims that he made the video in the year 2030, and it shows flying cars, and they really do look like 1950s sci-fi movie videos. It was really bad done. And, you know, he claims to be from the future. If you were from the future, wouldn't you have better videos? I don't know. <laughs> Another thing that people talk about, too, about time travelers is the Charlie Chaplin movie. Now, in the Charlie Chaplin movie, The Circus, you can see a woman walking down the street, and you'll, you'll, you watch, and they pan, go, they pan past a um, zebra, and then you see her walking, and it looks like she's holding a cell phone up to her ear. Now, people do say that it was an early version of a hearing aid, but in the video, you clearly see her talking. I look at it this way, too, is if you see that video, and she's supposed to be talking on a cell phone, but back then there was no cell phone towers, nothing like that. So was it a communication device that she had that she was talking through time? Back then there were hearing aids that you could hold up your ear and they were kind of boxy. The ones that I looked up, it almost looked like walkie-talkie, okay? It was just like something that magnified the sound and you held it up to your ear like she's doing as she's walking down the street. So was she a time traveler or was she just hearing impaired and she was using one of those there was another video that you see a lot of it's of a girl walking out of i believe it's sony it's a sony factory and she's clearly talking on a cell phone clearly okay well i guess they did some digging and they found out that her name is gertrude gertrude jones and the video is from 1938 she was tracked down, you know, her relatives, were, and they said that she was testing a new form of cell phone or wireless phone. Now, you got to remember the time, 1938. In 1938, in order to make a call on the battlefield, you had to use two people. The first person wore this huge radio on their back with a giant antenna, and the other person actually talked into it like the phone. So was the technology there to make a wireless phone back in 1938 that small? I doubt it. I don't know. Another time that they showed where it looks like someone's using a, a cell phone is in John Wayne's 1948 movie, Fort Apache. There's a scene where Henry Fonda has something in his hand and Shirley Temple's in the, the scene with him. And in the scene, they're riding on a stagecoach and it looks like Henry Fonda lifts up something and is talking on it like you would a cell phone. Now, I don't know. Why would they put that in the movie? So that's something you might want to look up. It's a 1948 John Wayne movie called The Apache. I'm going to check it out and see if I can see the scene because they say that it looks like he's using a cell phone. But 
then again, you know, why would they put that in a movie? You know, what was he actually doing? So one of the ones that really intrigued me, and this is a fun one. Don't know if it's true or not, but, you know, we, we really can't prove any of these, really. But um, this one's called The Man from Torrid. The urban legend says that it took place sometime in the 1950s when security and air travel was a lot different than what it is now. What happened was in Tokyo, an airplane landed. Everybody disembarked the airplane, but you still had to show your papers and your passport to customs when you came in, even though back then. So the urban legend says that a man entered customs area in the Tokyo airport and immediately presented his passport and ID. He stated that he was visiting Tokyo on business. And when he was asked where he was from, he just, without hesitation, said, oh, I'm from Torrid. Of course, the customs people were like, uh, we've never heard of that. But you got to remember, too, that there are countries all over the world that are small. There's like, what, over 300 countries. And maybe they just didn't hear about that one. So the agent called over his supervisor and said, you know, this gentleman's saying he's from Torrid. And I don't know where that's at. Where that's at. Well, no one knew where it was at. And they thought that he was playing a joke on him. So they looked down at his passport and it was stamped from all these different countries. And it stated his name and that he was from Torrid, but nobody knew where that was at. So they asked the gentleman, they're like, could you show us it on a map? And they presented a map to him and he couldn't find it on their map. He says, this is not right. All these continents don't have these names. This is wrong. He had papers, you know, he had his passport his driver's license, stuff like that, all said he was from Torrid. The problem was that the country doesn't exist. So they took a, this gentleman into a room to interrogate him even farther. By this time, he was freaking out because he's made this trip many times. And he even showed in his passport that he made this trip to Tokyo many times. But this time it was different because nobody recognized where he was from. So he was put into a room and the security team did check. They called the company that he said he was from. And sure enough, they had an office in Tokyo and they said, no one by that man's name is working for us. So once again, they presented a map to him and map of the world and asked him to point out where Torrid was. The man was dismayed when he couldn't find it. And like, again, he says, this map is wrong. The country that he pointed to on the map is now part of Spain. Unable to figure out a solution, the security guards got the man a hotel room, and said that they would figure it out in the morning. However, by the morning, the man was gone. His luggage was gone. His room that he was in didn't look like it was lived in. His bed looked like it was never slept in. The bathroom didn't have anything of his in there. He just vanished. Now, you could say, well, he didn't go to the hotel. No, they took him to the hotel, and they put him in this room, and they said that they had an armed guard sitting outside the room. There's no way he could have made it out of the room because the only way out was the door leading out or the window, which was locked. And if he would have jumped out the window, it would have been, it would, there's no way he could have jumped out and shut it and locked it. So according to the story, he just vanished. Is the story true or not? I don't know, but it is a great legend. Another thing I want to talk about is time slips. I love time slips. Okay. And let me tell you a couple, and then I'll tell you mine. So the first story I want to talk about is an aviator, Sir Victor Goddard. 
He was an aviator back in 1935. He was instructed to fly over an inactive base and check it out and see how it's, how it's doing. And this was located near Edinburgh. And he flew over and noticed that it was overgrown with grass or cows grazing in the grass. And um, everything looked disheveled, looked all run down, beat up, has been used in 20 or 30 years, apparently. He flew past, did his report, and was making a big circle. He started running into inclement weather. It started to rain really heavy. He wanted to land and wait out the storm. So he turned around to go back. As he was flying back, the rain was terrible. He got closer to the airport, and abruptly the rain stopped. The clouds cleared. It got bright and sunny out. And as he approached the field, it looked brand new. It looked like it was still in operation. He says that there were yellow planes there. There were men in jumpsuits working on the planes. And he flew over, and instead of landing, he just flew like a circle around it. Once he did that, the rain started up again, and he was really freaked out. So he carried on to his original base. After landing, he told everybody of what he saw. He said that he saw yellow planes. He saw the men wearing blue overalls. And at that time, they didn't wear blue overalls, and they didn't have yellow planes. They had silver planes. Well, four years went past, and the war was ravaging. So he went back to that base and got the shock of his life. When he flew into the base, he saw yellow aircraft, and now the standard uniform was blue overalls. So did he have a time slip? How would he imagine that? The next story I want to talk about is Sarah Jenkins. Sarah Jenkins was a lifelong resident of Christ Church, New Zealand. She was driving down a street one day and came to a roundabout. Her drive took her through the area that was kind of demolished because of the earthquake that happened in 2011. They were driving down this road and came to a roundabout. And when she went around the roundabout, it seemed that everything got dark. Everything changed and kind of freaked her out. She was thinking, well, maybe it's just because of the desolate area that the streetlights are out, stuff like that. As she drove a little farther, she noticed that the trees looked different. They were closer to the road. The road was thinner than she, than she remembered. It was instead of being a four-lane highway, it was a, just a two-lane highway. Kind of freaked out, she turned around. When she turned around... She came up to a bridge that she knew well. It was a four-lane bridge. When she came up to it, the bridge has changed. She couldn't understand. It was a narrower wooden structure instead of the four-lane cement structure that she was used to. As she came up to it, the wood under her tires creaked, and she was driving along the wood. She noticed that it had the old-style lamps on it, and she was, like, considerably freaked out because... She's driven this route before, and it was normally a four-lane wide concrete structure. Now she's on a wood bridge. As she got to the end of the bridge, she turned around and looked, and it was still the wooden bridge. By this time, the night was darker and darker, and she drove on for a little bit, knowing that the town that she was going to was just ahead. As she drove a little farther, all of a sudden, it seemed like time has stopped. The trees didn't wave. There was no sound. And she stopped her car, looked around. She said even the air had a strange smell to it. 
Being freaked out, she drove a little farther, and just as she drove a little farther up, everything seemed to have gone back to normal. She stopped her car, turned around, and drove back, trying to figure out what the heck's going on. As she drove back, she drove onto the bridge, which is now back to the bridge as she knew. It was back to the same cement four-lane highway she was used to. To that day, she still can't figure out what happened. In the early 90s, Debbie Schwartz and her uncle were driving in the UK in a familiar city that they've been in many times. They went to a concert. The concert hall was in a busy part of town, one of the downtown areas, and the car park was actually underneath the theater. They went, drove, and parked their car underneath the building, went to the play. As they came out, they were driving their car out, drove onto the main road, and everything was changed. It didn't look like it did when they pulled in. The electric lights were replaced by gas lamps, and it seemed deserted. No people walking around. It was quiet, and everything had changed. Instead of the bars and the shops that normally line the street, it was all row houses, like the brownstone houses. They drove down the street slowly and cautiously, taking in the sights, trying to figure out how everything was changed. They thought, did they make a part of the city that looked old? But they knew that they pulled out of the garage the same way that they pulled in. As they drove down the road, they were looking and noticed that there was no people, no one around. The city was dead silent, no birds, nothing, no sounds of other cars, only the street lamps lit the road. As they drove down a little farther, they turned a corner and realized that everything went back to normal. They stopped, backed up, and started to drive down the street, but instantly almost got hit by other cars. There were people everywhere. The city seemed to change back to what it was when they first pulled into the car park. This, of course, left an impression on their minds. What had happened? How, how could this happen? So as time went by, they actually started to investigate the area and found old photographs that looked just like it did to them when they were driving down the street. Next story is about Colin Reed, an amateur landscape photographer. This happened in 2014. He loves the Scottish landscape. And being a photographer, he wanted to go out and take pictures of the landscaping. He's been to this area a lot. He knew where to go. As he walked through the different fields, he came across a field that he didn't recognize. But the strange thing was, it was bustling with activity. There were people everywhere. There were tents set up. There was a maypole. And it turns out that he walked into a festival. And this was called the Frog Pan Festival. People were buzzing about. He could smell fires burning. He could see the tents. He could hear the people talking. And he actually saw people dancing around the maypole. Intrigued, he started taking photographs. He was clicking as many shots as he could as he looked around. As time went on, he noticed that nobody was paying attention to him. But he just figured they were just enjoying themselves and going on with the festival. It started to rain, so he noticed that nobody was taking shelter. So, like, and just like he was saying, he was like, well, they're enjoying the festival. The rain got harder, and the next thing he knows, everything went back to normal. It was an empty field. There was no one around. Freaked out, he went home, and he developed film. After he developed film, he looked at it, expecting to see all the people on it. But what he captured was just empty fields. There was no festival going on. 
he walked into a time slip. But he thought he was going to have it on film, and when he looked at the film, there was nothing there. You know, some of the other stories that I've heard is of, like, Roman soldiers over in Britain. There's certain areas that are preserved because there were wars that went on there. Same thing with here, you know, like Gettysburg and stuff like that. But there are times when people say that they're walking through these areas and they are confronted with like Roman soldiers. Um, Same thing with, like I said, about Gettysburg. There's times when people are in Gettysburg and they say that all of a sudden they're in the battle and then the next second they're not. You know, the, the story goes that there was a gentleman walking through the fields in Gettysburg and all of a sudden he says that he heard cannon fire and horses and gunfire. Now, we've heard this story before where people are there and they hear that, but in a ghostly form. But he said that all of a sudden, after hearing this, he could see soldiers running across in front of him. He could see the cannonballs going over. He could see the people fighting and getting shot. And he says that he was there for that split second that he actually saw the war going on. Luckily, he wasn't shot or anything, but he claims that he saw what happened. Another story out of Britain was, like I said, the Roman soldiers. There was a lady walking through where they have the Roman soldiers uh, or the battle set up. And all of a sudden, she saw all these soldiers coming at her. And, you know, she's thinking, oh, cool, they're having a reenactment. And the soldiers all marched past her and everything. And she said that she saw one person wearing the laurel crown, which is that leafy crown that like Julius Caesar is seen wearing. So she knew that it was someone of of importance. As they went past her, in a blink of an eye, she says they vanished. And she believes that she fell into a time slip. So, you know, when we think about time slips, are they portals? Are we walking into portals? Um, Are they instances where like when people are walking through the woods and all of a sudden the woods change and they know that they're in a different place or a different time and then all of a sudden it goes back to normal? I do know of a story where a guy was walking through the woods and he said that the path got smaller and smaller and was closing in on him and the trees changed and the sound changed and all that. Now, did he walk into a portal or is it something where it didn't actually happen, but somehow in your mind's eye, you see this and you hear it sort of like when we talk about ghost hunting and we hear sounds in the buildings that we're in and we know that the ghost can't make sound, but we hear it. By these time slips, are people walking into like like portals or something to where it's almost like you're walking into the fifth dimension or a different dimension or a parallel world or something? I don't know. Now, I want to tell you my story, and then I'll let you go because I'm sure you're tired of listening to me. But I went down to Cincinnati. Miranda was down there at an event at a Harley dealership, and it was cool. She did her presentation and everything. And it was over, so she was packing up. And, you know, just like when we do our our events, people want to help, help us pack up. And I was saying, you know, to Miranda, I'm like, hey, do you need help with that? She's like, no, no, I got it. It's And I know from doing stuff with Dana and the band and everything, there's a certain way that you pack things, you know. So I just stood back and watched, and she got done, and we talked for a few minutes. And I was like, all right, well, I'm out of here. And she's like, yeah, I got to head back too. So we said our goodbyes. 
and I got on the road. And this was probably around 3 o'clock. Okay, so just for simplicity, I'll say it was 3 o'clock. Now, from Cincinnati to Toledo is a three-hour drive. I get home, and I walk in the house, and I look up at the clock, and only two hours went by. And to this day, I have no idea how I got home so fast. Now, traffic wasn't bad. I probably did 80 miles an hour, I guess, the way home. But I got home in two hours, on which is normally a three-hour drive. Was that a time slip? I don't know. Another thing, you know, one of the theories is when you lose time is that you just don't pay attention. And you didn't really pay attention to what time you actually left. But I knew that it was like 3 o'clock that we left because the event was over at like 1. And I know that when I left, I left at 3 o'clock. But I got home at 5 o'clock. So was it a time slip? I don't know. Uh, To this day, I still can't figure out how the heck I did it. But yeah, time travel, time slips, I love them all. I love the stories. I love talking about it. Whether it's true or not, I don't know. But it's so intriguing. And, you know, seeing that I came home in two hours instead of three, that still really confuses me because I know how long it takes. And I know I wasn't doing like 130 miles an hour, 140 miles an hour all the way home. I was probably doing 80, you know, comfortable speed. But yeah, I love time travel. And I'm really looking forward to reading Rick's book. Like I said, it's the book is called Travels Through Time inside the fourth dimension of time travel and stacked time theory and stacked time theory is the one I really am interested in reading. This looks like a great book, a lot of great stories in it, different, you know, probably some of the stories I mentioned before, but he goes into things like how the eye, how your eye works and optic nerves and rods and how everything worked, you know, how you see things, you know, things like dreams and external knowledge he even goes into like UFO abductions in the books. I'm really looking forward to reading this book. So hopefully I'll learn a lot because this definitely isn't, he did a great job on the book. But anyway, like I said, if you are in the area on January 20th, come down to the Bell Mansion. Join us. We're going to have a great time. Once again, the address is 420 West Wayne Street, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Come on out. We're going to be there all day on Saturday, the 20th. If you would like to get on the show, please let us know. And even if you can't make the event, if you want to get on the show, let us know. Send us a message. Send us a little bio of yourself. And if you are having a convention or you know of a convention that's looking for speakers, let them know we're available. Me and Jen have a few speeches up our sleeve and uh, we'd be happy to come to the event and be speakers. We would love to tell our story. Our last talk was at the Peri Unity Conference in Peru, Indiana. That was a blast. And with that, I'll let you go. Like I said, sorry, Jen wasn't available this week. She doesn't have a voice. Hopefully she'll get her voice back by next week and we'll get her on. If not, we'll figure something out. Thank you for tuning in. Like we always say, please, please, please. If you enjoy the show, share it with your friends. Tell everybody you can about our show. We need you also to give us a five-star rating review wherever you listen to the show. And uh, with that, I'll say thank you. Thank you for listening. Let's listen to some second season by Dead and Five. Goodbye, everyone.
Twitter.